Come on in. Come on. <laughs> Come on in. Welcome, welcome. The slow road to better. Why do we do the slow road to better? Well, we've been lucky where we can talk about it to our our friends, people here at the Stroke Comeback Center, but now then we can tell more people across the world to learn about it. What is the it that we're talking about? Aphasia. Stroke yeah. survivors. TBI people. Life moves on. Inspiration help listeners. That our inspiration of a bridge of hope. I love it. Trying to help each other a lifeline. Part of it also is we started doing it. It's not because we just wanted to tell everyone to see what happened to us. But also we wanted to get better talking ourselves oh, with the phaser. Sure. And we wanted to, one day, it's not going to, the phaser's not leaving it, but we'd like to crush it a little bit. Let's listen in. Listen in. Like, what do you do? So, so uh, I was going to do an introduction, but should we just like dive right in there, Chris? Might as well. Is that what you want to do? All right. So before we put Laura on the hot seat, I just want to welcome everyone. Welcome our listeners. We have a special guest today and uh, Chris is already taking over. So I'm going to zip it. Sorry about that. Chris, no. (laughs) So what do you do at The Cure? That's a great question. Um, so I am Lovers, and I am what's called the Chief Scientific Officer at Cure Epilepsy. And I've been with the organization for almost four years. And what we do is we invest in research. We fundraise and um, uh, give grants to researchers to try to find, to help understand the causes of epilepsy, why after a head trauma, does somebody start to have, have seizures? Um, some people do and some people don't. Why is that? We really don't understand. So um, our organization funds the research to try to help understand the basics of epilepsy. And then, um, and my goal is absolutely a cure. Uh, I have had a sister that had epilepsy and starting at the age of three months. And then my mom developed epilepsy at the age of 75. Wow. So we can all develop epilepsy. And we just, we don't, we don't really understand why. Um, and so that's part of our mission and part of my mission. And I know it's part of Pat, Pat's mission too, is to raise awareness because we don't talk about seizures and we don't talk about epilepsy. Um, it makes us uncomfortable, but we should. We talk about other things. We talk about Alzheimer's. So why can't we talk about this? Hey, Laura, when you mentioned head injuries, does your research also include people who have strokes? That's very true. And um, we do. So we invest in all kinds of research, um, whether it's due to uh, seizures due to head injury or seizures due to stroke, or seizures due to viral infections. And those bleeds, those what are called complicated names, subarachnoid hemorrhage, um, they can result in, in, in seizures. 
And um, we actually have a team working on this right now. We've got a really, really big um, research effort that's funded by the Department of Defense. And Pat knows all about this. He has been a spokesperson for us. Um, and one of our projects um, is focusing on how these bleeds cause seizures um, and what happens in the brain to make that happen. So I, you would said um, a TBI or a stroke caused this seizures or epilepsy. Is there any way to test someone or a group of people that has not had it versus a hundred people or whatever. And if they have a TBI or a stroke, if that link to the, the obviously it's research. So I don't know like how that is gonna happen, but if a hundred people and there's a chance that they are going to war or whatever and then have it and then we will research that. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, we know from previous um, wars, battles that especially like World War One and two and even up through the Korean War that, you know, people who suffered severe head injuries, they had like a 50% chance of developing epilepsy. But one of the problems is we don't know when it can start pretty quickly or it can take 30 years to develop. Um, wow. And now, yeah, I mean, so that's a real uncertainty, right? That leaves you with a lot of like, well, what's going to happen? Right. Um, and we don't understand like, okay, 50%, which is a lot, but then 50% don't. And why? We don't understand that even yet. Um, and with the new, you know, um, with all of the, the blasts um, now, that also has, a, has an effect um, on, on the brain. Um, those shock waves that are coming across, um, they, they can really cause damage that may not be as obvious um, and that we're trying to understand what is, you know, for now, for the warfighter now, what happens after a blast and blast exposure and who's likely to develop epilepsy after that. And we, again, there, so there are great studies. The Department of Defense has gotten into this and they're starting to study this and people are actually being, you know, um, put into trials even before they're exposed to start understanding, okay, what, What's the makeup of these people? I am. I am uh, one, two, three, four, five, five seizures. Did you have five seizures? Yeah. 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 Five seizures. Okay. Can you tell, tell Laura a little bit about you so she knows your background? Uh, uh, hi. I'm Phoebe and I am 20, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 29 years old. And uh, last two, last two 
last two no last two years i am i hit by the car and i am uh five 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 months i am uh uh i am aphasia but i am better now yeah but but but, but it's good like i am free seizure to seven months great that's great but now i i am i am i a b c d e a idea idea i am idea idea to why because i i just sodium lower lower, oh. lower. Mm -hmm. okay yeah wow. and i i am chips i am I am goldfish. <laughs> I am uh, presso. <laughs> Do it. So, are you saying that you are improving your seizures by eating junk food? Is yeah. that what I hear you say? <laughs> Laura, how do you feel about that? Oh, I am sodium free. Well, <laughs> I hope you're talking to your doctor, number one. <laughs> That's Probably important. not. Leisure <laughs> free is is a wonderful thing. Talk to your doctor and make sure they understand. Um, but hey, goldfish go a long way, right? Yeah, goldfish long a long way. Um, yeah, but 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 before I I was seizure and seizure and seizure. So, so Kitty, were you saying that you felt like you needed more sodium? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You needed more salt. Yes. Lord, has there been any research to support that diet impacts seizures? Well, diets can certainly impact seizures and seizure control. Now, um, about sodium, I'm not sure. And I wonder if there are some peripheral things going on too with the muscles, because certainly sodium and, and this other um, thing called potassium can influence the way your muscles function. But definitely diet can influence seizures. And there's actually dietary therapies for seizures that are like, they're called the keto, it's actually the ketogenic diet or like the mod modified Atkins diet can help with seizure control. So that's an interesting piece to think about too. Yeah, I think I've been thinking about that for years. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Laura, how many, how many, um, how many, I guess, how many numbers of like a different type of seizure do people have different people? Like there are all kinds of seizures that we, we think about seizures as these muscle movements, you know, they're called tonic clonic where somebody's shaking, but there are all kinds of seizures. There are seizures where somebody just stares. Um, in fact, my mom has seizures when she developed at 75, where she was just staring and she would continue to do muscle movements, but she wasn't conscious. Um, and then there are other kinds of seizures where there's just little subtle jerks of the shoulders. Um, so I think there's something like 30 or 40 different kinds of seizures now, but we've worked through all kinds of different classifications and either people can 
actually be conscious and know they're having a seizure and not be able to stop it or actually become unconscious. And that can be really scary when people fall and can hurt themselves again, actually. Because that's when I had, uh, every time I had a seizure, it's, uh, it's over 15, I, um, I called it a grandma seizure. So mm-hmm. I passed out and then your, your arm goes up. That's the first thing that happens. And then your, your head goes over to the right. And then your eyes start going crazy. And that's only one time I saw that the whole thing happening. It was like, what the heck is going on? And then I, I woke up and there's an ambulance with me and like, you know, but then my, uh, my nephew, he was doing it when he was like 10. He only did it for like maybe two years and he was, he hasn't had a seizure. He's done, but he had the whole, his arm would get up and then he'd start looking down and then like he could, here and everything and he was drooling and all that stuff but that, i mean i just know there's different there's so many different types of uh seizures there but that's are. a lot 30 or 40 that's a lot of type of uh yeah yeah well, i didn't know that your nephew had seizures as well and i know you had some pretty scary experiences i got lucky i don't remember so <laughs> yeah my poor wife had was there so. do a lot yes Speaking, speaking of Patty and people's poor wives, um, could you tell our listeners what they should do if they think someone is having a seizure? Yes, absolutely. We now talk about things called seizure action plans and people should be becoming, we want people to become knowledgeable um, about how to, how to help somebody who's having a seizure. So um, because three and a half million people in this country have epilepsy. So it's, it's, there's a lot of people out there. Um, so if somebody is having a seizure, uh, you wanna make sure that they're safe. So if they look like they're slumping over, you wanna make sure that they get to a place where they're safe, um, you know, possibly on the ground, um, make sure that their head is protected um, so that they're not banging their head do not stick something in their mouth. Um, This is one of the things that we used to think about that people would swallow their tongue, but you can't actually swallow your tongue, but, and and it's not safe to actually put something in somebody's mouth. So the best thing to do is to keep them on their side um, so that, you know, they're, they're, they're able to, um, if there are fluids in their mouth, they can sort of drain out um, and just keep them safe. Um, Call 911 if it's a, if it seems like it's a, they're not, coming to awareness, those are the, the main things to do. So the tongue. So I am, well, used to be a EMT mm-hmm. and they teach that, well, I don't know now, but 10 years ago, they say you might, your tongue will yeah, I don't, I don't know what, um, what the education is now, but the guidance now is to not do that because you can damage somebody's teeth. You can actually get injured yourself if you're trying to put something in somebody's mouth. Um, so the best thing to do is, I mean, somebody might bite their tongue, but it's not as you know, potentially dangerous as some of the other things where people are putting spoons in somebody's mouth or that's really can cause a lot of damage as well. So it's not a good situation no matter what, but the guidance is to just 
make sure somebody's on the ground, roll them on the side and protect their head so that they're not injuring themselves more. Okay. Yeah. I had a, uh, a friend of mine and she has a, uh, a kid that was uh, like in ninth grade and he had, I guess when he woke up in the morning, he didn't feel good, right? And they weren't sh really sure, but he seemed like he was okay. And then he, but he, for some reason, like he just seemed like he was like out of it and wasn't really sure. And then he went to school and then he was there and I think it was like after lunch and everything. And then all of a sudden he had a seizure. So that was the first time he had a seizure. So I guess this question is, is the brain was that slow to, to finally say what it was trying to say the brain was trying to say what it was trying to say or and also does that is it considered now is that like having a two seizure instead of just having the one seizure or um i think it would technically still be just one seizure but there can be all of these things that lead up to a seizure like people can experience what's called an aura like they that might include um, smelling something that's not there, or um, there's can be changes in taste, changes in hearing, and just a sense that something's going to happen. So that's like the aura phase. Not everybody has that, but it could be that for him, he wasn't feeling well, you know, something was going on, and that culminated in a seizure. Um, it's really interesting because certain people um, have like rhythms where they will have this rhythm of a seizure like every few weeks. Um, in fact, I've got a friend who um, lives in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, he, he has a seizure. You can see the buildup and you can see the change in his mood. And then he'll have a seizure and then it will be better for a few weeks. And then this whole rhythm will start again. And people are we're starting to recognize for some people, there's actually a pattern that's like a, this underlying a, biology. Um, uh, what is the new, was it last year or this year? They, they started with the, um, the nose. Oh, the, the rescue medication. Is that the one then? It's if someone's having a seizure or about to, you can, I don't, I haven't really read that much about that stuff, but what yeah. is it for? That's a great new topic. So, in the, you know, there are lots of different seizure medications out there um, that have all kinds of side effects and um, challenges, but many people still have these breakthrough seizures and they're scary. Uh, and there hasn't been a, a really good way to stop them, but now there are a couple of different, what are called rescue medications, um, where they are, it's an it's a, it's a injection up the nose. It's, a, it's just a little like mister that you can put into the nose and, and squirt it. And the medication goes up into the nose and will actually stop the seizure really quickly. Uh, and this is a great, a great thing um, for the community to have. Should somebody start in the past, we're like, well, there's nothing we can do except for just to let it run its course, but that's not good. Um, we need to stop it uh, because the continued seizures actually cause more brain damage so this is a new, uh, a new great gift in the community to have this rescue medication. There's actually two different kinds now that are available. 
Um, you can carry them in your pocket, in your purse, and, and have them available. It, so is that actually get into the brain? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's an intranasal delivery and it's actually, you know, up the nose, you know, you can sense a lot of things. It's a, it's a route into the brain in, a, in its own way. And is that new? Yes, it is. It's, it's new within the last year and a half or so. Okay. Yeah. Very, that's very interesting. Yeah. Now, can anyone get the medicine? It's not broadly available yet, and it's only to people with a diagnosis of epilepsy. But I, I think as we think about this, I mean, we, we know that people, you know, like if somebody's having a heart attack, we know what to do. And there's usually some kind of CPR machine around that can help us somehow. And we need to start thinking about seizures in that way. We're not there yet by any stretch, but... Um, when my mom started having seizures, um, my stepdad was like, we need a rescue med just to have it in the house, just so that you know, if something happens, we're ready to go. And I, I think that those ideas, as we increase awareness, you know, may come along. But right now, it's not the case, unfortunately. I, I, can, I can tell everybody else the, uh, the old stuff, because I got it a couple times and but I never used it and they had this medicine so if I was having a seizure they wanted to shove it in my butt and it was supposed to save me <laughs> but Patty never did it for me I got oh. I guess I got lucky so and that was that was that was what was available was this rectal gel and nobody's gonna do that for anybody older than four <laughs> you just can't do that so and then people suffer I think Patty was like, I'd rather call the ambulance instead of doing that. Yeah, yeah. And it's dangerous, you know, to have an adult. Um, dangerous for everybody. How could, how, yeah, I was like, how could they do that with kids like in, and like, you know, in school, you know, like in high school or like in seventh grade or something? That's that would not be the way. Yeah. I have to say, Laura, that's the first I, I've heard of a, a rescue med. And it makes me wonder how long until um, first responders, like home health nurses, people who are out in the community as a, a common practice in their cars and um, for people they come across in the community. So that would be phenomenal if we got to a place where even that level of people had access to the drug. I agree. I think that's coming. We're not there yet, but even um, again to the military population, they're talking about the value of having this, you know, a rescue med available um, for people. Obviously we need this. Um, we just haven't had the tools, but now we do. Are there contraindications to that drug? Um, you can't, um, you can develop some resistance to it over time if you use it too much, but that's, that's true for any drug in that class, mm -hmm. um, and it, and you don't want to, of course, you know there are concerns about overdose, so you've got to be mindful about how frequently it's it's taken. Um, but otherwise, it's pretty good, pretty effective. Some stuff is out there helping, like like they're trying to get rid of epilepsy, and they just don't. The information is not out there, right? Yeah, we don't talk about it. Capra and Finpad. 
Yeah, I got rid of Kepra. I stopped. Got, I got rid of my Kepra, and I so I take uh, Depakote. Oh. Or I've had that for more than ten years, and then the other one was um, Rubiac, which is a, a pretty sh- uh, shoot. What's the word? A uh, new medicine. So I had so much Kepra, it was like some sort of record that I was doing it every day, and. Uh, it makes you angry when you have that much as I was. So they finally decided, all right, I needed to go get rid of it. So, so yeah. Side effects is that people can have these side effects like anger uh, for against, you know, with some, some medications or sedation. So it's important to be mindful of all of those too and to find a quality of life. It's okay to say, you know, this isn't working for me. Let's find something else. Hmm, I'm not. <laughs> so i have a question about um this is where it gets really interesting i believe is the uh like like i think like the cure is trying to do but it's for the uh how to get rid of uh, epilepsy is called what do they call that thing the uh the gene well, we're definitely um, looking at what the what role our genes play, our genetics play in epilepsy. And like, if a child is born and starts having seizures fairly quickly, we start to think, you know, there's probably some genetic cause of this. And there are well over a hundred genes now that have been identified as causing or being, you know, playing a role in causing epilepsy. But we even think that for adults, that there might be some genetic modifiers. So like I was saying, like somebody has a head injury, you know, 50% will develop epilepsy and 50% may not. And so what is that? And we're looking, we're funding some studies right now to look at genetic modifiers in adults following head injury. This is work that's being done out of Pittsburgh to, um, to try to see if there are some genetic correlates in between the people who develop epilepsy and those who don't. We think that there may be some shifting, some genes that shift the threshold and the the chance of developing seizures after a head injury. But that's still pretty early stage too. That that is so, I guess it's interesting, but crazy that they're like, they want to go and, well, hopefully they're doing the right stuff. They want to go save people and help people and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because we know how it affects quality of life. We know how it affects you can't drive, you can't this, you can't that. You know, it's really limiting to have seizures. And yeah. just um, you don't know when the next one's going to strike. It's very unsettling. So how can we improve people's quality of life? How can we extend their lives? Mm, before I was drinking like beer and wine and alcoholic and I was drinking and drinking, but now I, I'm not. Me too, I miss you. I'd give you a hug if I could right now. I miss you, why? Me, me too. <laughs> so maybe that's a good question, Laura. A general rule, knowing that everyone's different, what are some things that you should do or not do? Right. So you should get good sleep. We think that there's a tie with with sleep and epilepsy. Um, And that's still early days of study too. But good sleep, unfortunately, 
not drinking alcohol because that will change your seizure threshold. Um, we don't know exactly in whom or how much, but it's just a, a good precaution for sure. Um, taking medications. If you're on medications, you need to take them regularly. We know that um, not sticking with your medication schedule can throw things off. Um, and so that's a really important part. And if you have like general, you have those big grand mal seizures, making sure that people are aware that there's a seizure action plan. Those are important things. Yeah. Talking about it, being um, sharing so that people aren't surprised and can help you. What do people need to know about changing their seizure meds? That it's it's done under the care of a, care of a physician. Um, I know people who have had side effects and they said they're the doctor, but they say, you know, I don't like this, I'm just gonna stop it. And then they have a big seizure. Um, so I know, Pat, I know you went through some of this. I don't know if you'd be willing to share that experience. You went through, cause you weren't doing so well with the Keppra. Um, and so what was that like? Was that, I know that was kind of scary. When I was on Keppra, yeah, Kepra, and then we wanted to go. You wanted to go on to Breviac. Well, I had been taking Kepra um, almost ten years, and finally, Patty and I were just Patty and I were just like we'd been talking about it for like two years. Maybe we should get rid of it. Get rid of it, and then we were just like, "This is we got to get rid of that medicine for me because that is I'm just an angry person." So we just went to. Uh, Walter Reed and I was there for five days and I uh I did the um like I started taking the Breviac and then they slowly got rid of uh Kepra and then but I already was taking all the uh Breviac what I was gonna have and then uh then I was like <laughs> like five days later I was like I went home so it was pretty quick the way they do it you know I was surprised but I I mean even Patty likes this say that I'm actually more um, maybe relaxed and a little bit happier than just being angry. But I remember you were very apprehensive about changing your meds, which I don't blame you. Um, and really five days in the hospital isn't that short when you think about what they usually do for medications, right? You go, you see your doctor, they write you a prescription, you go, you take it, and that's what you do. Thankful I haven't had a seizure in more than six years, so I'm very, very excited. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we need to talk about it more. We need more support. We need this to be recognized at the same level of, as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. We talk about those things and, and without a worry, but people are uncomfortable talking about epilepsy. So we need to do that. Um, we need to raise more funds. We need to advocate for more funds. Uh, it's certainly something that, that I get really excited about doing. Um, to say that this is important, this affects people's lives, and it can affect it can affect a whole lifetime. And we again, we don't talk about it, but we should because it, it's a major impact for the person, um, for our community, major healthcare burdens. We need to talk about it. Well, Laura, I, I didn't even get a chance to give your bio, and it's really quite impressive. For our listeners, uh, I'll be sure to put a link to Laura and Cure Epilepsy in our comment section when we post this episode on our Facebook page. Um, seizures are a significant issue for a lot of survivors. 
And it's nice to have up-to-date research and a resource for people to go to to get reliable information about seizures and what they can do and how to help. Yeah, our website has information. We're always pushing out information on the latest research, hoping to help people and hoping to raise awareness. Do you want to give out your website? Sure, I'd be happy to. It's www.cureepilepsy.org. Um, we are the largest nonprofit funder of epilepsy research in the world. Um, we've invested in over 200, about 250 grants over 20 years um, that range from pediatric epilepsies through acquired epilepsies that we've been talking about. Um, and we're, we're excited for the work that's going and, and the progress that we're making, but so much more to do. Thank you so, so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. And for this month is very interesting, exciting. Uh, November is Epilepsy Awareness Month. And if I can give a plug to Pat, he is actually going to be doing another event for Cure. It's a podcast called Seizing Life. Um, and it's going to air on Veterans Day, November 11th. So um, if you can catch that now or in the future, just so that folks know it's out there and you can hear more about his story and he and Patty's journey with epilepsy. So thanks so much for being here. And I think we're going to wrap it up on this episode of The Road to Better. better. Thank awesome. you so much. Our lawyers made us say this. Disclaimers. What about disclaimers? Your opinion, the group opinion, is not valid. Well, it is, but it's valid, but I'm having a disclaimer so that we don't get in trouble. Yes. Doctors. Doctors. Who's doctor? Theirs. Um, they. They. Their doctor. Yes. All right. Yes. So if people hear something on this podcast, you should ask your doctor. Doctor. Amen.